I want to make it a book that kids without hearing loss will pick up and fall in love with a character that has hearing loss and realize that we are all more alike than different and that, hey, this is interesting. Like I see this character, she has hearing loss and she's achieving everything and anything that she sets her mind to. And it's not a book that's so focused on the disability that it alienates kids that don't have hearing loss. Welcome back to the All About Audiology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lilach Saperstein. And on this show, we talk about audiology and your experiences. What is it really like to have anything to do with hearing tests and audiologists and teachers of the deaf and being a parent, being a teacher, like all the different angles. We've got lots of different podcast episodes for all different things. So check out allaboutaudiology.com, use that search bar and find the topic that's interesting to you. And today we're talking about something that is very close to my heart and that is books, literature, reading, all the most important things. Reading is fundamental. Did you have those signs in your library growing up? I did. (laughs) And we actually recently did a podcast episode with Valerie James Abbott, who is the author of Patapillo and the Story of How. She put that book from her family's experience. And I'd really like to start doing a bit of a series here on different children's books in this space and how we can expand our bookshelves and get to accessibility and inclusion and all the things that we care about. So today on the podcast, I am joined by Katie Petrozello, who is the author of the Mighty Mila book and book series, hopefully, all about the delightful young superhero, Mighty Mila. So I'm so excited to welcome you, Katie, to the show. Thanks so much for having me. This is really exciting for me. I really, really love books in general. It's just such an incredible tool. It cannot be overlooked. It's almost like obviously. How could you even not even say that as from an educational perspective, from all the different you know, ways that we know we could use books as a tool, but then to make it even a sharper tool and get exactly the tool we're looking for, that's what what you're doing and what I'd love to hear about. So why don't you start by telling us a little about yourself and your background and how you even got to the idea of being a writer. Writing was never something that was on my radar and it just came to me because of our journey with hearing loss and because of the deeper mission behind the reason why I'm writing this book. So my daughter Mila, who's four years old, she has sensorineural hearing loss and she has cochlear implants right now. She got them about a year ago. Her hearing loss was identified around 15 months old. It was mild at the time. She got hearing aids, which were wonderful, helped to amplify the sound um, to where she was able to do very well with speech, along with her speech therapist or teacher of the deaf. We had a good amount of services. Immediately upon identification, we started services, and they've been critical, and our therapists have become part of our family, and they're just amazing. And she had hearing aids for a few years, and then her hearing just suddenly started dropping over a period of six months. It went from mild to moderate to profound loss. So her hearing aids were no longer able to support the level of the hearing that she needed for able to continue developing her speech. And she quickly became an implant candidate, and we got her cochlear implants right before everything shut down around here in New York last February, March of 2020. And she's been doing incredible with them. And my journey with this book is actually really funny how it came to this because 
during our journey with hearing loss and as Mila was about to start, we were talking about getting cochlear implants. I was talking to my teacher of the deaf, Ashley McAvec, about really what are the good books out there? What are there that really like I can start reading to me? It's not really easy to start talking to a four-year-old about you have sensory and neural hearing loss and because it's profound, you have to approach it to them with stories. And just in talking to Ashley, she was like, you know what? I'm going to write a book about Mila that I'm going to publish for other kids. And she did. She wrote a book called Mila Gets Her Super Ears that was published last year. And it's great. It's about Mila's hearing loss journey from initial identification to hearing loss, getting the AIDS to the cochlear implants. She created it for Mila and now it's out there for other kids. And as part of that journey, I realized that these books are great, but now I want to take it to the next step. And where are those books that aren't about specifically the hearing loss journey, but where a character, a main character specifically has hearing loss and they're just a regular kid? Because that's what they are. They're regular kids that can do everything and anything. They have fun. They're silly. They get into trouble. Where are those books where... Mila and others can just see themselves as a hero in a story where the focus isn't all about their hearing loss journey. Like Mila has her cochlear implants. She doesn't want to read about characters getting cochlear implants anymore. She'll just say, like, how come nobody in these books have, have cochlear implants? And I was just like, I got to write this book. And Mila's the kind of character that like was always meant to be a storybook character. She's like incredibly spunky. She's hilarious. She's just like a little spitfire where like I could literally take like anything she says and put on a piece of paper and it's like gold. Like she's just so much inspiration and my other kids are hilarious too. So I think it was just kind of aligned and I was like, you know what? Like I want to write that book for kids that are out there that have hearing loss so they can see themselves represented as a main character in just a fun story. But then equally as important, I want to make it a book that kids without hearing loss will pick up and fall in love with a character that has hearing loss and realize that we are all more alike than different. And that, hey, this is interesting. Like I see this character, she has hearing loss and she's achieving everything and anything that she sets her mind to. And it's not a book that's so focused on the disability that it alienates kids that don't have hearing loss. And I think it will, they'll just learn from it because they'll fall in love with this character and they'll just, and there's subtle references in the book mm-hmm. to the cochlears and how the cochlears help her, cochlear implants help her with achieving her goal of being a big kid. And that's what the book's about, right? And, and it talks about how they help her, but it's not the main focus of the story, if that makes sense. So that was, sorry, yeah. a lot of information. No, I'm really glad you brought all that in because it's so important to see yourself represented. Everybody talks about all the different ways that we need to see representation in media and in the people around us and in the books that we read. And that is missing. How many times are you going to read amazing stories that are the whole plot is hearing loss is identified, hearing loss is discovered. What are we going to do about it? How does this affect our family? Which is an important story and it can be told in all different ways. But then I love it that there's more to the story after that, the rest of your life. (laughs) I was going to say those stories about the hearing loss journey were so important for us. Mila's the first deaf person we know, so it helps us too, and it helps her to read books like that about the hearing loss journey, but you're right, like it's the, well, what next? This not the be-all, end-all, it doesn't define everything about a character, what else after that? It almost reminds me of those books where the character has a new baby, and then it's like introducing toddler to new baby for the second child and there's lots and lots of those books and then you don't not have books about people having siblings (laughs) 
you, you know, it goes on after that. That's one whole subset of a story. But what I wanted to ask you about is to talk more about the time period where you noticed that her hearing was changing and how you were able to see that, what were some of the signs? And then what was it like to kind of have an acceptance or an understanding of what her hearing loss was and then having that change? What was that like for you? It was nerve wracking, not knowing whether her hearing loss was going to change. We don't have an understanding of why she has hearing loss. We've done genetic testing and what, and we have no cause of it. So we weren't able to be able to tell definitively, well, will it just stay mild forever? Will it progress, get worse, right? And so I think the unknown for us was tough. Just going to the audiology appointments and wondering, is it still where it was last time or has it changed? And then when it started changing, okay, is it just a one-time blip? that has shifted a little bit, or is this now something that's going to continue to progress and get worse? And for us, it was something that continued to progress and get worse. And Mila, it was actually really tricky for us to notice outside of the audiology testing because she's exceptionally adaptable and she's really good at compensating. So I think the speech therapist and others we were able to start noticing is because she started dropping like the high frequency sounds from her speech. The word she became kind of consistently he, and we started hearing more slurred speech a little bit because of that inability to receptively hear those high frequency sounds. So she wasn't able to express them. So we started doing pretty frequent testing with our audiologist because of the progression and it wasn't staying stable. So we were all noticing it all at the same time. And cranking up her hearing aids as much as it could go. And then it just became pretty obvious that her hearing aids were no longer able to be able to provide her with the right access to sound. And we started down the discussion with our ENT about cochlear implants. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is because I don't think people recognize that that uncertainty and that possibility is always there for everyone. Like even children who are born with typical hearing, that might not be the case for their whole life. And actually, as we get older, likely will not be the case throughout your lifetime. So even in the bigger conversation of COVID, this is just some of the things banging around in my head. If you don't mind, go off on my (laughs) thought process here. People are talking about this new expression. I've never heard this before, but saying that someone is either like someone can have a disability while someone else doesn't have a disability yet. Because the likelihood of having a disability sometime throughout your lifetime is actually very likely. When you broaden the definition of disability and when you look at the entire lifespan, that's something that we're all going to be dealing with in different capacities. Parents should keep an eye if there is to do that every six month testing early on and then yearly testing or anytime you notice a difference or anytime anyone in the team, like your speech therapists were, were big on noticing things and And having the whole team kind of keep an eye on what's the status and staying really firm with your follow-ups, not just like letting that drop off, um, I think is really important so that you were being kind of followed throughout the whole process of that. Yeah. You know, I hear a story about people say, I had no idea my child had hearing loss for a very long time because speech development is so different depending upon the child. And there's such a range of when kids start being able to produce 
different sounds, right? And so it is hard to pick up on it. And like, especially for us, we had hearing loss on our radar a bit with, with Mila because she had failed the newborn hearing test in the hospital. But then upon a comprehensive follow-up children's hospital after she was born, she we were told that she has normal hearing and there's nothing to be concerned about. Just get her checked out at her one-year appointment. So we kind of had it like an inkling a little bit, like buzzing around in the back of our head. And she never showed any signs. I mean, it was mild at that point. We never saw any signs of any indication of loss. And then at the one-year appointment, she she failed like the basic pediatrician test. And then that kind of catapulted us into our journey. But if we hadn't had that initial testing in the hospital that put something in our head about it, it would have taken a while for us to realize that she had lost because it was hard for us to believe it at first because she compensated so, so well with just other cues, gesturing and whatever. And just, and it was mild at that point. So um, I think that really just kind of keeping an eye on your kid and just like really trying to think critically about it. And then once you have an inkling about anything, going and getting the testing done and then surrounding yourself by the right professionals is the best piece of advice I could give anybody because we weren't experts. We're never going to be experts. We've learned a ton, but um, surrounding yourself by the people that are help lift you up and help you support your child Mm -hmm. is just so critical. And we are so lucky that we have an amazing support network. That's awesome. I'm guessing you said you had no history of hearing loss in the family and much like the majority 90 percent of deaf children are born to hearing parents that's like one of the big stats that we know complicate and comes into play in a lot of different issues because you don't know about it necessarily this is like a whole new world that's something that i think you know i specifically focus on with the podcast and with the work that i do with parents is about being both overwhelmed, but also having a big responsibility of becoming a manager, like trying to navigate all these things for yourself as a parent, also probably a new parent to like a young, now that we have newborn hearing screening, which is awesome. But that Mm -hmm. means we're catching you at like day two, three, six weeks, three months, like newborn baby stage. Yeah. Not so fun to like run around to appointments at that time. (laughs) It was definitely a surprise and something that we had to kind of take in stride, but we just kind of like, we're going to figure it all out and we're just going to, you know, do everything we need to do to support her to be so that she can have everything that she'll ever want. And, you know, her hearing loss is part of what makes her so amazing and so special. It's a very unique, special aspect of her, just like, you know, and I try to tell my other kid, I have a six-year-old and I have a one-year-old too. Um, so the one-year-old doesn't know what the heck I'm talking about, but the six-year-old, you know, it's like everybody has something that's special and that's different. And that's what makes the world interesting. And so this will shape her as a person. And I think it will shape her in a really, really good way because she is strong and she is spunky and she is determined and um, she has the right personality to excel no matter what. And so I think that it's just how it's meant to be. You never know what journey you're going to be put on in your life. And so I think you just have to kind of take it all in stride and just look for all the positives, silver linings and, and everything. That's a beautiful perspective. 
everyone needs to hear that <laughs> no matter what's going on with your family with your children with yourself yeah that that it's always going to be complex there's no like yeah the simple rainbow life like nobody has that sorry <laughs> to burst yeah. but I'm also interested in hearing more about your six-year-old and what it was like that Mila was second so I have a you know six-year-old that. Luca. Yeah, he just takes it all in stride too. He's kind of wondering why Mila gets all these books about her. So I'm actively focused on on that aspect of it too, right? Is just Mila gets a lot of attention with speech therapy and teacher of the deaf and various accommodations here and there, right? And so one of the things I did in this in this book for Luca is he's crazy about the color purple. For years, it's everything loves purple. I love it. I hope I hope he never doesn't like purple. Like I love that he loves purple so much, and he loves cats. So in the book is a purple cat character, and I tell him that this is for you. It's, this is for you. There's a purple cat character in the book, and he's so psyched about it and excited and everything. <laughs> so, you know, it's trying to help out help in that regard him but he's very supportive he'll sit in her virtual therapy sessions with her sometimes and he'll be doing worksheet stuff with her and he's very supportive and for them it's just nothing different it's just my sister has cochlear implants and that's just what it is and when they're off she can't hear and when they're on she can and it's just the way the world is and it doesn't it's not different to them it's just all they know right so That's fabulous. That's fabulous that you're including him and having him part of it. I think a lot of parents that I speak to also mention the guilt slash confusion about how to include their other children in the family, how they are many times with just the amount of time it takes. So if you have other advice for families listening, what would you say? Find something that for the other kids and the siblings, find something that's important to them, right? Like Luca loves sports. So we're taking him to baseball three times a week and soccer once a week, reading to him his like chapter books every night and just find the special things that are important to them and just hone in on that and focus on that. And just, I think it's important just to give them their special time and just include them in the conversation. I just had a newspaper article written about me about this book and it was like a big surprise and it was awesome. I was so excited and Luca was sad that his picture wasn't in the newspaper article. So I sat him down and I talked to him about, he's six years old, so I don't know how much really got through, but just starting the conversation early about, look, like, think about how many books have characters that look like you. Okay, a lot of them do. I said, right, how many books do we have that have kids with cochlear implants. Now we have, we do have a few because we buy them, right. but I was right. like one out of 30 books that we have, have a character with cochlear implants, but like most people don't have any books with characters with cochlear implants. Like how would that make you feel if people had no books that look like you? So we talked about that. For Mila, it's because it's really important to get this out there for kids that have cochlear implants. And he was like, oh, okay, I understand for now. I love that. That's an excellent <laughs> explanation. I think- I think, yeah, that's very, very helpful. And and it's so good that you're also pointing out like newspapers talk about exceptional things or unusual things so that there's a story. Like Luca hears is not the story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really good. That's really good. I like that. So tell us a little more about like the developing the, the plot, the characters and what happens in these books. What age yeah. range are they for as well? It's children's picture book, so it's targeted age range three through eight. 
this book, Mighty Mila, this is on Mila. She wants to be a big kid. She wants to prove to her parents that she could be a big kid and she's going to do it all on her own without asking for help, not even once. And so she goes on kind of this journey to do these things that she feels like are big kid tasks. And she's able to achieve a lot of them through creativity, her own kind of fierce, unstoppable determination. And then even her cochlear implants help her with some of them along the way with regards to hearing some things that she needs to hear to achieve the task. And then she kind of, she's faced with a challenge that she can't figure out on her own. So she then needs to realize it's part of being a big kid asking for help and how can I achieve this? maybe not on my own, but through kind of the help of my family. So it takes place in, in a one day. It's the, the illustrations. I searched for a very, very long time for an illustrator. I searched for over three months for just the right illustrator. And I'm so glad I did. I found a wonderful illustrator based in Finland. Um, her name's Nadia Sorrell. She does a bunch of Finnish and she does some UK and some American books as well. She works for a uh, agency and she is just phenomenal. Her colors are so bright and just detailed and whimsical and just so colorful. And it just brings kind of the spunkiness to life. And she yeah. has been the most amazing person to work with too. She just sent me the final illustrations last week and I'm so sad that, <laughs> that we're done kind of talking back and forth all the time. So it's, it's a really nice combination of a lighthearted, fun story with a character with cochlear implants and just gorgeous illustrations as well. Yeah. I guess that's like the precursor, but we'll see the final. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you said spunky, I was like, yup, that came, that comes through Good. <laughs> like, like a little bit of a bouncy energy <laughs> to your yep. illustrations. So definitely you can find it on Instagram at Mighty Mila. That's Mighty Mila amazing. stories on Instagram. And then on Facebook, it's just Mighty Mila. I'm really excited to see how the Mighty Mila book comes out and even future books about Mila and how she grows. It's really fun to follow you on Instagram. We hang out over there, everybody. Come come follow, come join all about audiology and all the fun things happening on Instagram. Um, so if you want to send people to MightyMila.com and the Kickstarter, where should they go? Yes, I'm launching a Kickstarter pre-order campaign May 18th. It's going to go through June 16th. You can just go to MightyMila.com, find out information about the Kickstarter. Um, Mighty Mila Stories on Instagram is is also a really good place to go. I'm in the process of getting the last minute things pulled together to launch the campaign. And yeah, it's, it's just a nice opportunity for people to be able to get pre-orders of the really, really top quality hardcover signed books and some other fun Mighty Mila goodies that will just be exclusively offered through the Kickstarter. That's so exciting. Yes. I love book launches. I, I get that. Like that whole energy of building something, putting it together. And then it's like, ah, it, it exists. I'm it's, definitely excited about it. It's nice. I've been working on it for about a year now, basically between the hours of nine o'clock at night and midnight, I am working on this book pretty much every night side of my day job and my kids which are also a full-time job so it's just really been fueled by passion for me and and really the purpose of getting more inclusion out there uh into the world so it's been fulfilling thank you katie so much for coming on the all about audiology podcast to share your story and mila's story and we look forward to seeing the book thank you to all the listeners of the show if you would like to support the show please find us at patreon.com slash all about audiology 
to be a supporter of our community and join the Facebook group. Find me on Instagram. Thank you for listening. This is the All About Audiology podcast. I'm Dr. Leela Sapersi. Thank you.